It has been a few weeks, but we're back here at the Fight Talk podcast. We've got a, a big-time pay-per-view in just a couple of days. Um, well, this past weekend, obviously, we had a really fun uh, fight card we're coming off of that that Steven Jensen over there. I'm John Mosley over here. We're going to talk about the main event uh, of that and then uh, a little bit of the um, other fights on it. Uh, Steven's going to hit the high spots on, and then we're really going to hit a deep dive on this pay-per-view again, uh, just a couple of days away, UFC 269. Um, Steven Jensen, man, it's uh, it's been a while since we had to chit-chat. Uh, good, to, good to be back, my man. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. We've had a couple kind of uh, kind of quiet weeks in MMA. Um, I will say right off the bat, just so I don't forget about it, shout-out to Sergio Pettis for his knockout over Horiguchi. Yeah. That was nasty. And he was losing the fight, too, through the first four rounds. So, like... Uh, that was a huge spinning back fist. So shout out to Sergio. That was probably the kind of the biggest thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back here. We got UFC 269, like you said, this weekend. For those of you listening to the show, I'll be doing a live Fightful watch along, Fightful Fight Night, over there on YouTube.com/Fightful. It'll be me, Doug Bateman, Rob Wilkins. Jeremy Lambert may join us, depending on uh, kind of how his day and night is going. And Sean Ross Sapp usually is a game-time decision. He's usually on there with us, though, and uh, he'll jump in, too, uh, for most of the fights. So join us over there to watch uh, UFC 269, because we'll be giving you the uh, the predictions today for it. And I know Moe will we'll be recapping the show next week, but if you want to tell the people a little bit about KOBK sold out right now so people can get a, get a little more hype for it, Oh, yeah, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, doing a wrestling show in the Chattanooga area. It's right there in Red Bank, but um, Red Bank, Tennessee, but it's basically Chattanooga, um, December 18th. It's a Saturday night, bell time, 8 p.m. Eastern. We've got a pretty crazy card. Anyone that's kept up with the independent wrestling, uh, no, you've, of course, you've got Alex Kane's going to be there. Hoodfoot's going to be there. We've got uh, Eric Royal, Tyler Matrix, Brett Eisen versus John Davis is the main event. Um, we've got some surprises that I'm very excited about. So, yeah, anyone super interested in that by chance can be in the area. Um, hit up uh, me on Twitter at Mo's KOBK and uh, we'll get some tickets. $20 tickets. We sold out of front and second row. Uh, still some seating left, though. And, uh, and yeah, we're just looking to have a really fun uh, a show that you can't really find anywhere else. Um, December 18th, December 18th, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hell yeah. It's going to be an awesome show. Looking forward to it. It's going to be available. Uh, yes. You said like sometime maybe around Christmas or so on independentwrestling.tv. I actually talked to uh, the guy that's going to film it for us uh, just a couple days ago. So we're going to have, yeah, it'll definitely be filmed. Uh, he is a, a busy dude, but thankfully I think he'll be able to, we're going to, like I said, record the night of December 18th and hope to have it on IWTV within that week. Uh, I want to have it out ASAP, but yeah, yeah. Uh, at the very least, maybe we can make it a um, an end of the year slash Christmas gift to everybody, but it for sure will be on independentwrestling.tv. Hell yeah. And speaking of, make sure y'all use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, all is one word, no spaces in the promo code spot. You can jump on IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. Two ways to get to the same spot, but uh, either way that helps out me and the show when y'all use that code. So use it. They have live wrestling like pretty much every weekend at this point, usually multiple shows. And 
the last time I checked, it was something like 6,000 shows from like 272 promotions, something like that. So like there's so much damn good stuff on there and uh, I can't recommend it enough. So check it out on independentwrestling.tv and definitely watch KOBK sold out when it's available on the platform. Absolutely, man. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait for everyone to to get to enjoy it. We'll put a lot of work into it. Uh, So, yeah, December 18th. But this past Saturday, December 4th, we had a little bit of a a fight night. We had finishes all over the place, bro. I mean, we had some spinning wheel kicks. We had some submissions, uh, some good uh, decision fighting. But the main event, of course, Jose Aldo back in the win column, believe that's three in a row now with a, a decision win, a unanimous decision win, I should say, over Rob Font. Uh, I know we all were impressed by the performance, but what were you thinking as that main event was unfolding and Aldo was, man, looking like Aldo? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see. Like, I actually predicted Aldo to win and like, like with the people that I kind of do my predictions with. And all of them had font though. Like they were all like pretty convinced that like one of them even, and there's a guy that watches a lot of MMA and I respect his opinion, but one of them actually had said to me before the fight, like, do you think Jose Aldo retires after he gets knocked out tonight? And I was Ooh. like, and I was like, dude, I think Aldo's going to win. Like I, I, and they were like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like, I mean, he's looked good. Like at, at, at Bantamweight, let me pull up his record, but like, he came, he came into the division, and he had that really close split decision with Marlon Marias, which was so close that they wound up giving him a title shot anyways after the loss. Um, and then the, he lost to Peter Yan, but, like, Yan is the best guy in the division. Like, I know Sterling is technically the champion. Yan is the the interim, but, like, we all saw how that fight was going before Yan got kicked or kneed in the head. So, like... I, I consider Jan to be the best guy in the division. So there's really no like shame in losing to, to Peter Jan. And then you have, like you said, the three in a row, Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz and Rob Font now all by unanimous decision. I think that it was all those looking great. And it is unreal that he's only 35 years old. Like for yes. how long he's been fighting his MMA debut was 2004. Um, that's so wild. Like I, I'll never forget watching him in college in WEC. Like that, and that was in 2008. Like that's so wild to, to to think about all that he's accomplished, everything he accomplished before he even you know lost the UFC featherweight championship to to Conor McGregor. Like at that point, I think if you would have called it a career, <clears throat> people would have been like one of the best ever. You know what I mean? Has nothing left to prove. And now it's like <clears throat> he lost to Conor. Geez, almost eight years ago already, seven yeah. years ago. So like, you know, you have since then, he he's only fought top guys. Like there hasn't been one fight where it's been like a gimme fight or like a, a can or like a, a confidence building fight. There've been all big names, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, Jeremy Stevens, Volkanovsky. I mean, all the people we've mentioned, I mean, just, just so many good fighters. And he stays competitive in all of them. Uh, and then when he moved to Bantamweight back in 2019, it's like, I didn't know what to think. I was like, man, this may be kind of a desperation move because he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't think he can beat Volkanovski or Holloway. So like, he's got to, he's got to move divisions, but like, is the weight cut going to hurt him? And he's getting not up there in age so much as he's like, just has a lot of miles on him fight wise. And I think this was the best movie he could have made. He probably should have done this a couple of years before he did. Cause if you know, 
I think Bantamweight suits him great. And he's put himself in a position now, man, where, like, I really think what they should do is Jose Aldo versus TJ Dillashaw. And Aldo basically said that he was down for that fight after he won on Saturday. And that's exactly what I do. I do Aldo versus Dillashaw. Um, you have Sterling and Yon. Obviously, they got to run it back to to crown an undisputed champion. And the winner of Aldo and Dillashaw fights the winner of Sterling and Yon. I mean, I think it makes total sense. And, you know, even though Aldo has lost to Yon before, he'd be looking at a four-fight winning streak, including a win over former champion TJ Dillashaw, if he, if he was to win. And if he and if Sterling beats Yon, we've never seen Aldo and Sterling before. And that's a really interesting stylistic matchup. So, like... And then on the flip side, of course, like TJ Dillashaw gets a title shot as well if he wins. Like for he, the only thing that could possibly hold all of this up is Dillashaw has technically already in a spot where he doesn't need to fight again for a title shot. I don't think so. Like I think Dillashaw would fight the winner of Yon and Sterling even if he didn't fight again. But we have to see how long this takes to play out because, like let's say that Jan and Sterling fight to a draw or even if Jan wins, maybe they still run a trilogy because Sterling technically won the first fight. Like there might be the timeline might be something to where it might be a while before Jan and Sterling fight anybody else. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily fair for the division for like, especially because of the circumstances with Dillashaw, like Dillashaw had to vacate the title because he failed for PEDs and totally admitted that, that he cheated. And then he came back and he beat Corey Sanhagen in a really close fight. And Corey Sanhagen's an animal. I mean, huge win for Dillashaw, but like, I don't think he's really in a position to where he should be sitting out a long amount of time without a fight. If it's going to take a while for the champion to, to get figured out. So like, I guess the long, this is a long way of saying like, Unless Sterling and Yon fight and then like there's like a really quick turnaround and Dillashaw is like right there ready to go. I think they should definitely do Dillashaw versus Aldo for number one contender. And and I, and I, honestly, I'd, I'd probably pick Aldo to win based on just how he's looked in the division so far. And I think and I think an important question, too, is exactly when we get the Aljo fight, because right. I, I can't exact. I want to say maybe he's, he said he's won't you know, he, he's not going to be cleared or however you want to say it he's not going to go again maybe till april may somewhere in that vicinity so um that fight in itself before we even get into all the legalities of a you know possibly them again or or whatever whatever uh it it feels like a lot of uncertainty so uh it makes sense you know aldo's down the throw and you I, i would think with uh tj dillashaw's story how it's been told and what has transpired uh, maybe he wants that fight and add another feather in the cap. I mean, a win over Aldo, uh, it's, it's on many levels a huge win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Aldo is still, I mean, I think there's four people that you could choose from if you want to have the best featherweight of all time conversation. Obviously, we're talking about bantamweight right now, but like right. for the sake of, you know, the point, like you have, you have Aldo, you have Holloway, you have Volkanovsky, and you have McGregor. And all for different reasons. Like McGregor is is hard because like he was there for such a short time and he never defended the title. But you can't take away <clears throat> him beating Max Holloway, uh, him knocking out Jose Aldo in in 13 seconds or whatever. Like the stuff that Conor McGregor did in his short time at Bantam or sorry at a featherweight was 
incredible. And once again, he knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds. And and so I, I think he's in the conversation. You have um, Alexander Volkanovsky, who I put in the conversation because personally, like, I think that Max Hall, I'll say it this way. I think Max Hall is the best featherweight of all time. And the reason is because like he destroyed Aldo two times and we still oh, see I how do. we see, we see how good Aldo still is. And, and Holloway has fought Volkanovski very, very close, even to the point where, like, a lot of people thought he won the rematch. Yep. Um, but Volkanovski did beat him twice, and he is undefeated in the division and stuff. So, like, those are the four guys I feel like you have to choose between. But if someone were to say Jose Aldo is the best featherweight of all time, like, I wouldn't argue it. You know what I mean? Like, it's an understandable position. So that my point is, for TJ Dillashaw, a former Bantamweight champion, you know, to beat the potentially the best featherweight champion of all time. Like that's, that's a huge feather in his cap. Like you were saying, and may, maybe even, I mean, depending on Sterling's timeline, maybe they do Dillashaw and Yon for the interim title. While before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be fine with that. Um, and then you'd have to figure out what to do with Aldo, but Aldo has so much star power and such a fan base that like, I mean, if they just gave him a title shot, if they, like if, if Dillashaw had to, if Dillashaw and Yon fought for the interim title, I'd probably be fine with Aldo just fighting uh, whoever the true champion is after that all gets worked out. But I also want to see him active. Like it's it's really fun to watch Jose Aldo fight. Um, but yeah, I guess the moral of the story here is Jose, Jose Aldo put himself in a great spot. Like he's either he's probably one fight away. Like probably one TJ Dillashaw went away from getting another title shot at Bantamweight. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's, and he's a draw, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where I think a lot more people in comparison, for instance, I think a lot more people probably watched Font versus Aldo than watched Vieira versus Tate last week. You know what I mean? Like for a free show. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. And like for a free show, having Jose Aldo on the show, I think is, that's pretty damn cool. So like, um, yeah, so Aldo's, Aldo's the big winner from this past weekend, and shit, I'm, he could wind up becoming the fucking Bantamweight champion before it's all said and done, and I think if he does, that's, he, he if, if he wins the Bantamweight title, especially if he, like, knocked out Peter Yan or, or one of these dudes to win the title, he gets right put, that put into, like, the GOAT, like, pound-for-pound all-time conversation. Like, he goes from, like, maybe the best featherweight ever to, like, maybe one of the best overall fighters ever. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yes. yes. So, yeah. Hell hell yeah. Huge shout-out to Jose Aldo. And Rob Font's a damn good fighter, too. Like, he's, I mean, Rob Font probably beats anyone else uh, ranked from from 5 to 10. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's. He's right there in the mix, but Jose Aldo is just—he's just still on another level. Yeah, no, and and you let off with it. Th- uh, Thirty-five. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of people, myself included, forget how young he is. He's right at that sweet, sweet age right now, where you see a lot of uh, a lot of competitors. Man, they hit that second stride of their career, and this is a guy that, again, all the wins, everything he's already shown. Uh, the point you you ended with the the goat discussion absolutely still there. Um, which is incredible. Like you were, you know, to say the night with Connor, um, a lot of people probably counted him out after that. Here we are all these years later, Aldo fighting way more consistently than Connor. Um, that, that's a crazy story, man. You said it, main event, big win for Jose Aldo. Very interested to see where he ends up now in the shuffling of the uh, the rankings of Bantamweight and who goes where. 
Um, what you know? What else do you want to hit on this? Uh, I know, like you said, had a lot of finishes. Uh, I just wanted to shout out Clay Guida real quick. At the time of this recording, I believe he turns 40 years old tomorrow. Uh, got a, a finish, a second round finish to be exact, uh, this past weekend. But uh, I mean, there was there was a lot of exciting and just damn good finishes this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good show. Um, and speaking of Clay Guida, like. He was getting his butt kicked at the beginning yeah. of that fight by Santos. Like, it looked like it was going to be a short night, that Santos was going to get, like, a first-round knockout, and things weren't looking good for Guida. But that dude is just tough as hell, and his conditioning is second to none. Like, we see it even when he goes to a decision, like, how he'll, like, be running around the octagon afterwards and doing jumping jacks and stuff, because, like, he just wants to show the the judges he's not tired. And, like... He, he's just a different breed. He's a he's like the old school breed of MMA fighters that just they just fight through it and find ways to win. And I was I mean, I was marking out when Clay Guida won that fight because there was I can't remember what I was watching on my other screen because there was there was some it might have been GCW. There was there was a lot of wrestling this weekend as well. And I remember like muting the wrestling I was watching and flipping over to Clay Guida's fight and being like, oh, damn, I wish I wouldn't have been paying attention because he's getting his ass kicked. Like, I hate seeing Guida go out like this. And then I see I start noticing Santos is kind of like gassing a little bit and Guida starts landing and then he gets this big takedown in the second round. I'm like, oh, no way. Like he's going to he might actually get him. And then he slides in that rear naked choke. I mean, that was that was so sick. So huge shout out to Clay Guida. And he's a guy who's already in the UFC Hall of Fame from his fight with Diego Sanchez, like during the fight wing. But he, <clears throat> but he's another one of those guys, kind of similar to like a Neil Magny that we talk about often, or like a, a Jim Miller type fighter that like, he, like he's under the radar. Clay Weed is a very well known fighter, but like I don't know if people realize that like he might be kind of like fringe Hall of Fame on his own too. Like I mean, he's. Let me put it this way: there, there are. I think there are fighters that are that are worse than Clay Guida that might already be in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? So it's like he he might. He I mean anyway, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome to see Clay Guida get that win, um, and I can't wait to see him fight again. Uh, Jamal 30, Hill, thirty seventh win, thirty seventh win. Jeez, that's incredible. Um, Jamal Hill knocking out Jimmy Crute. That was a huge win for Hill. Uh, first round knockout, forty eight seconds into the fight. Uh, both guys super heavy-handed, both very dangerous. Uh, I going into the fight, my brother was watching it with me, and I was like, I was like, there's definitely going to be a knockout in this one. I, I didn't know who it was going to be. Like, I wasn't confident in either. Like, I, I thought it was like a real 50-50 coin flip, and Jamal Hill just starched Jimmy Crute, so huge win for him. Uh, Rafael Faziv over Brad Riddell, a spinning wheel kick in the third round, absolutely sick. Uh, Fazeev is a dude who has a lot of hype around him right now, especially when you look at his, his, uh, UFC run, like he came in and he lost his first fight to Magomed, uh, Mosavet, I'm butcher the hell of that name, uh, but lost that fight. But since then has two unanimous decision wins back to back over Alex White and Mark Dykesi, I'm so bad with some of these names. Um, and then he has the, uh, the win over Hanada Moicano, who's a very solid fighter. A decision win over Bobby Green. And Bobby Green is, is like, he's pretty much, like, Bobby Green's in his prime right now. Like, he's been around for a while, but Bobby Green's fighting the best he's ever fought right now. 
and Fazeev beat him. And then uh, the Brad Riddell knockout, like, this dude, I, I think, you know, and he had a, a Muay Thai career prior to the UFC. Like, I, I think he's, he's going to be a contender, I think, um, a lightweight. I mean, it's it's a it's a really tough climb in that division and a lot of big star power names and stuff. But he's uh, he's kind of some new blood in that division that I think could be really dangerous for some of the top tier guys. So a uh, huge win for him this weekend. Huge win for Chris Curtis over Brennan Allen. Brennan Allen had looked really, really good in the UFC lately. Uh, Chris Curtis gets the win in the second round, just shoots his way up the rankings. And uh, Alex Morano over Mickey Gall. It's that's always tough to see for me. Uh, 30-27 across the board for Morano. Nothing against him whatsoever, but I'm a huge fan of Mickey Gall because uh, I got to interview him before he fought CM Punk. And he was like one of the first MMA fighters I ever got to interview. So I have a soft spot for Mickey Gall and I always root for him. So it was tough to see him lose all three rounds on Saturday. But uh but shout out to Alex Morano. Great game plan. Got the W. So that's the stuff that I would highlight from the show this weekend. Yes. Yeah, so all those finishes mentioned. Um, uh, more, a couple more on the prelim card. Again, if you missed any of this, go back. I think it's all on ESPN Plus. Like awesome stuff all around. In in the night with Aldo adding another win in his career. And one more time for Clay Guido, who again turns 40 tomorrow. Will enter his 40th birthday with 37 career MMA wins. Incredible. Um, yeah, great stuff, bro. This weekend, though, we got a big pay-per-view. We got titles on the line. Live from the T-Mobile Arena, December 11th, Las Vegas, Nevada, bro. We got lightweight championships on the line. We got women's bantamweight title. We got Jeff Neal in action. Uh, big main event, of course, Dustin Poirier. This one kind of snuck up on me, man. Poirier and Oliveira. Uh, very fired up for this one. Of course, Amanda Nunes, someone we're both high on, defending her women's bantamweight title against Juliana Pena. Uh, Cody No Love on this card. Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, we're going to hit the the main card uh, fight by fight, um, and then and then Steven's going to hit some of these uh, prelim fights, just high spots because there are. I mean, this is absolutely top to bottom loaded on the ESPN Plus. Um, but let's dive in, man. Uh, a fight again. It, it's kind of snuck up on me. I've been real busy the last couple weeks, but. Being just a few days away from Poirier Oliveira, very, very fired up for this one. Yeah, this is an awesome fight. And this is the fight that needed to happen at lightweight. Like Dustin Poirier is the clear cut, definite number one contender. Charles Oliveira, anyone who listens to any of the stuff that I do, like I'm a huge fan of his. And I feel like he's just now hitting his prime too. And he's already, he already has the, <clears throat> I think the most submission wins in UFC history. And he's still only like 30 or something. Let me pull him up real quick. He's he's in his early 30s, I think. 32. So like this dude, he's like just now putting it all together. And he's already like statistically speaking, one of the best like lightweights that the UFC's ever had. It's it's an it's insane. And his ground game is so, so good. And his striking is is catching up now to where he's knocking people out and like really fucking people up on the feet. So like I think Charles Oliveira is I, I'm just I'm just a huge fan and I can't wait to see what else he can accomplish in MMA because I feel like he's like I said, he's just now hitting his his prime, which is unreal. And Dustin Poirier, you know, the one thing I'll always say about him is I think he he almost always will have more heart than anyone he fights. Um you can never count Dustin Poirier out because he's just tough as hell. He has a real belief in himself. He's a really well-rounded fighter. Like he's 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 one of these guys that's like 
he's above average at every aspect of MMA, but he isn't like elite at any aspect of MMA. It feels like, like his wrestling is good, but it isn't like Habib level. His striking is good, but it isn't like, uh, I almost said Connor level, but like, you know, he knocked out Connor. So I gotta, gotta be fair with that. <laughs> um, but you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I, there's guys like, I think, I think him versus like Nate Diaz is interesting because I think Nate has better boxing and, and, and it would be interesting to see something like that. Like, but my point is, I don't think Poirier is the best striker in the division. I don't think he's the best wrestler in the division. I don't think he has the best jiu-jitsu of anyone in the division. Obviously, in comparison to Oliveira, he's going to have worse jiu-jitsu. But he's very well-rounded, and he believes in himself, and he fights his heart out. And and this is you know, the one thing he's never done. Like He was the interim lightweight champion, but he's never been the undisputed UFC champion at any point in his career. So this is really the one thing he's never accomplished in the sport. He's done everything else. He's beat Conor McGregor. He's made a ton of money. Uh, he's a big star in the company. He's one of the biggest names that they've got. Um, but I just don't see him beating Charles Oliveira. Um, I think that Oliveira's striking is going to be surprisingly, I shouldn't say surprisingly, but like if if, if Oliveira can can strike the same way he, he did against like Michael Chandler, for instance, it's like, he might be able to knock out Poirier. Uh, I think if it hits the ground, it's all Oliveira. Like, if, the, if this fight touches the ground, I think Poirier's in gigantic trouble. Um, but once again, Oliveira's hands are getting so good that, like, I don't think he's going to be... Uh, unless Poirier's, like, landing really heavy, I don't think Oliveira really ha- needs to, like, take him down right away or anything. Like, he could probably pepper him up and then kind of decide what he wants to do. Kind of like the Diaz brothers strategy where you like, you pepper people on the feet. And then if you drop them, you go to the ground and choke them out or grab an arm or whatever. But like, I just, I just don't see Poirier beating Oliveira. Um, so I'm going to say Oliveira wins and I'm going to take him winning by submission. What about you? Yeah. I, uh, I always think of fight Phil, <clears throat> fight Phil for Dustin. He, he strikes me as a guy that just put, put on this earth to throw hands um, got the grit that that factor is always important, but uh, it, it is, it's, it's Charles Oliveira. I think he's got more ways to win. I think after the Chandler performance, yeah, the toughness is there, the hands. Um, I think this goes deep water. I would say maybe, you know, fourth round. I think Dustin's got the grit for that. I think he wants it, but it's just, uh, and uh, this is again, I'm, I'm definitely biased, uh, towards the diamond, but it's just so hard to pick against Charles Oliveira at all right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's how, I, I mean, it, this is a, it's like a bittersweet one because I want both guys to be able to win the fight, but I got to pick one. And even if it's a draw, like Oliveira retains the title and that doesn't really do a lot for Poirier because it would be cool to see Poirier win the title. Yes. Um, it, it really would. But like, <clears throat> I just don't think he does it. Oliveira is really the worst matchup we can have too. Like, if if like Michael Chandler had beaten Charles Oliveira, I'd take Poirier over Chandler, for instance. Same. You know what I mean? Um, but it's really at a point, in all honesty, like I don't think anybody in the lightweight division can beat Charles Oliveira. I think that um, Habib probably could, but we can't count him because he's not active. I think that Islam Mahachev, like he he's the only one I think that could potentially beat Oliveira, only because. He might be able to hold him down and avoid getting submitted, mm. but he's the only one stylistically that I think has a chance right now against Oliveira. Um, of course, there's a guy, you know, a guy like Gaethje or Connor or something 
might be able to catch him. And in, in Poirier, the same kind of thing. He might be able to catch him. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I I just, I, I don't, I just don't see it happening. I mean, Chandler, Chandler's credit, he did drop Oliveira in their fight. Like, Oliveira can get hit. Um, and part of me wants to say, too, like, if Chandler can drop you, then I think that mm-hmm. Poirier probably could, too. Um, and there's nothing against Michael Chandler. It's just, like, in comparison. I, I, <clears throat> I think Michael Chandler is an incredibly fun fighter to watch, but I don't think he's on the same level as, like, Gaethje and Connor and Dustin and, and Oliveira and those guys. Just, just me personally. Um, so yeah, I got, I got it. But this is the same conversation I'd have with Olvera versus anybody right now. It's like, I'm, I, I just, I just don't see anybody beating Olvera. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, without a doubt, have the Poirier flag flying, um, that night I will be rooting for Dustin because as a great human being, great fighter, someone that had so much success, uh, early and then had the, of course, the, the first defeats of Connor that really, Man, it could have crumbled. Um, it could have crumbled a lot of people, a lot of fighters. But uh, Dustin bounced back. Obviously, got the the win back plus another one. So uh, I, I I want Dustin to win this for a lot of reasons. Nothing against Charles Oliveira, but I do. I think the uh, the champion retains. Uh, but I, I I think you an important thing to note is what you you kind of left off there that I would agree with. I think if Chandler can drop you. I think Dustin can. So. Hypothetically, I mean, if Poirier is able to catch him here, man, like this could feel like one of those uh, rocky moments in a way. Yeah, for sure. And and I'd be very happy for Dustin if he can get the job done. Like I said, I think it'd be cool as hell to see, Um, especially because, you know, Connor, Connor is going to come back probably like mid next year. And I'm assuming unless there's so many what ifs with him, because like. Because. The the obvious thing to do would just be to do the the Nate Diaz trilogy. Yes. Yep. But I don't know what the UFC wants to do because Nate only has the one fight left on his deal, and it feels like they're trying to just get him in there with someone like Jamayov and just have someone just like destroy him on the way out, so that like it like drops his value a little bit outside the company, and then also like builds a new star. But I think that makes a lot of sense just to do Connor and, and, and Nate again. But I could also totally see a scenario where if Poirier wins this title, Connor comes back and they do the fourth fight and it's for the title. Um, so it feels like big time money right there. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And that's why, that's why I think they do it. Um, Cause there's also enough of like Connor can go out there and promote that, you know, he was injured heading into the fight with Dustin. Cause he's proven that like he, he did have a shin injury heading into the fight with Dustin. And that was the shin that broke during the fight. So like, it's, <clears throat> I'm not making excuses, but it's just one of those things where like, I think the UFC can market itself right into a fourth fight and people would buy it just as much as they bought the third fight, if not more, it especially because there'd be the title on the line. So um, but yeah, anyway, and so like, like we both said, it'd be cool as hell to see Poirier do it, but I just, I, I gotta go with Oliveira. Yeah. Big time. Same. Um, in our, I'm not going to say co-main event because <clears throat> this is a double main event. It's two titles. This is, uh, a lot of people say, uh, the, you know, the, the best women, the best woman fighter uh, and on this show, on this podcast, we say Amanda Nunes in the discussion for goat period putting her women's band and weight title on the line against Juliana Pena, man. Uh, always exciting when the lioness is getting in the cage. Yeah, it is. Um, 
you know, unfortunately for, you know, her opponent, Juliana Pena, I think that this is going to be a very short night. Um, I think Nunez is going to hit her in the head, then hit her in the body, then kick her in the head, and then maybe hit her a few more times on the ground. I think this is going to be over within one round, maybe two at the longest. Um, I, I just, I don't think Pena is, is anywhere near sniffing the atmosphere that Amanda Nunez is in. Uh, it just be, I just got to keep it real. Like, I think this is a completely one-sided uh, matchup. I don't, <clears throat> I, I don't fault the UFC for going this direction because they, they need to find fresh matchups for Nunez, like people she hasn't beat or beat multiple times already. Um, and Payton is just kind of next up, but like, I'm going to pull her record up because I, I don't think, I think she like lost out that long ago. Yeah. She, she lost to Jermaine Duran. She got choked out by Jermaine, Jermaine Duran um, two fights ago. Like, when your biggest win is Nico Montano, well, I guess Sarah McMahon, but Sarah McMahon's been on a steady decline. <clears throat> but Nico Montano is like the worst UFC champion in history. And that's really, I mean, she beat Kat Zingano, but this, we're talking back in 2016. You know, like we're talking about things that have happened lately. UFC 100. Yeah, UFC 200. Yeah, yeah, good call. Yeah, I mean, she she has a couple wins. Yeah, Jessica I, who got kicked in the head by Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, and she lost to Shevchenko, of course, because pretty much everyone not named Amanda Nunez does. But, like, it is one of those things I just don't see. I just don't see this being competitive at all. Um, and part of that is a credit to Amanda Nunez, of course. Yep. Like, she's so good that I think the only challenge she has, and we've talked about it on this show plenty of times, but the only challenge she has is Shevchenko, like a, a trilogy fight against Shevchenko. That's really it. Um, I think her versus Kayla Harrison would be interesting if Kayla Harrison went to the UFC. But for one, Kayla Harrison has like no incentive to do that because she makes a million dollars a year yeah. with EFL because yeah. she keeps winning the tournaments. Plus, before plus sponsorship her, money. Right. Before sponsorships and before like what she gets paid per fight. Like that yep. million is on top of what she gets paid per fight. So like, and then of course, Nunez and, and Harrison trained together. So they probably wouldn't want to fight each other anyways. And Nunez's only other really big fight would be Cyborg, who she's already beaten. So it's like, it, it's just in this point where like, there's just no, like Juliana Pena was the best option available because Nunez has no competition anymore. We'll just put it that way. And once again, Shevchenko's competition, but like they have, they'd, they'd have to probably do it at Bantamweight and Nunez is always going to have the advantage at Bantamweight um, just because of her size and everything. And that's her natural weight class. But the point is, I, I'm probably wasting a lot of time, honestly, even talking about this. I think Amanda Nunez completely destroys Juliana Pena within one or two rounds. No, you 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 weren't wasting time, and I'll tell you why. I agree uh, that Amanda wins this fight pretty easily. My question was going to be, uh, do do we see Shevchenko Nunez again next year? And you you basically got answered it that like, if we're talking big time money fights, that's about it for Amanda. Though we've also mentioned this before about her um, being obviously a family. She's got a family going now, so. Uh, with two wins technically in the record book over Valentina, maybe maybe Nunez just defends a couple more times and rides off in the sunset. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's possible too, because uh, that's also the thing with the the featherweight title that she holds is like Dana White's even said it publicly multiple times. Uh, 
he's one one day Nunez is going to hand that belt to him and just be like, I don't want to defend this anymore. Like there's yeah. there's no there's no weight class. There's no even rankings the UFC has for that division. Like it's just you know there's there's nothing for her there. And and basically at this point it's it's mainly women that fight at bantamweight that just go up 10 pounds to fight her at featherweight instead, just so they can keep that title active. But like, you know, and Shevchenko's in the same boat as Nunez where, you know, all these, all these fights that she could potentially have are pretty much all rematches now. Like she's beaten all the best flyweights. So like, I think if Nunez beats Pena, which I fully expect to happen, that's what you have to do next for both women. Like, there's nothing left for Shevchenko to do at flyweight. There's nothing left for Nunez to do at bantamweight or featherweight. So, like, have them fight each other. And if Nunez, see here, and this is where, this is where it becomes a rock and a hard place type scenario is when you're someone like Amanda Nunez, where like if you want to keep fighting, that's awesome because you're just continuing to build more on your legacy. But like the motivation and the in like the the interest from the fan base might start kind of draining a bit because it's like how excited could you get to watch amanda nunez you know you know you know beat someone she's already beaten once or twice like it's just like seeing the same thing over and over but you can't fault her for that because it's like she's not trying to lose obviously so like i you know it's 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 an interesting spot i I, but once again i think it's pretty obvious you got to do shachenko and nunez again yeah and maybe Nunez, you know, maybe she wins that one and she walks away and she's like, I have nothing left to prove. But at the same time, I hate the idea of forcing that on someone because it's like if she wants to keep making money and fighting, she should be able to do that because no one can beat her. So, you know what I mean? It's like I don't want to I don't want someone to feel like they're forced out of the sport because no one can beat them. Like if you want to keep fighting. So I don't know. And I think Shevchenko. She can do the same exact thing at flyweight. Like she can just keep beating all these women, stay undefeated at flyweight and, you know, retire one day. But like, you know, she's just going to be incredibly dominant champion at flyweight. I don't think there's anybody. I think Jessica Andrade had like the best chance of, of getting her because she was, you know, the, the strawweight champion and, or sorry, the bantamweight champ. Wait, yeah, the, the bantamweight champ. Now I'm getting those two confused. Uh, Jessica Andrade, because she beat Rose for the title, right? No, she beat, no, she beat, you know, no, yeah, she beat Rose for the title because she dropped her on her head. Um, Because that would have been a straw weight, of course. Yeah, duh. Because Bantamweight's been dominated by Nunez for so long. Um, But the point is, I thought Andrade had a chance and and Shevchenko completely destroyed her, so. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we both got Nunez, heavy favorite heading in to the first of our double championship main event this Saturday, December 11th. Um, next up, we got a welterweight scrap. Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzanibio. Uh, you know, Jeff Neal, a couple losses in a row. Uh, not a great space uh, spot you want to be in heading into this with a guy that can put you down. Yeah, and, and this is a great matchup. Like, there should – I think there's probably going to be a finish in this one. Um I got to go Ponzinibbio. I he is beaten. He's beaten better fighters on a more consistent basis, in my opinion, uh, than Jeff Neal. But Jeff Neal, I mean, his last two losses are, are Wonder Boy and Magny, who are both very, very good fighters. 
Um, Ponzinibbio's most recent loss is Lee Jingliang, who also is a very good fighter. But before that, he has thrown together one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins in a row. He had to take a lot of time off between 2018 and 2021. <clears throat> and then he lost to Jingliang when he came back. But then he got the win over Miguel Baeza. And Miguel Baeza is is an animal. Like, it, he is not an easy guy to beat. I'll never forget him knocking out Matt Brown because it was like, I didn't know much about Baeza. And then he just fucked up Matt Brown. And we all know how how just much of an animal Matt Brown is. And, like, to finish him that way is, like, that's really impressive. So, like, I, I just think Ponzinibbio, and he's a bit more well-rounded. Like, I think Jeff Neal is really good when it comes to the striking aspect. And, but Ponzinibbio also has good striking. But he's a bit more diverse in the, his striking. And he can also work better on the ground. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to take Ponzinibbio in that one. But that that's a really... <clears throat> that's a really good welterweight fight on the card though. And this, this would have, by the way, been the spot where we would have had, um, yep. Masvidal versus Edwards. So. Yeah, no, but I'm not have that. Mm-hmm. Um, that one got scrapped of course, just a few weeks ago in November. Um, but yeah, I, I gotta go with you again. Uh, I think just looking at Ponzinibbio's record, um, that, that's a tough loss. Of course, a good loss he just had not too long ago, but, uh, yeah, I got to go. I got to go with uh, with Ponzi on this one. But I think this definitely could be a really, really fun scrap, just like these next two. Uh, the two fights opening up the uh, the main card, the pay-per-view card. Of course, whole thing will be on ESPN plus along with uh, this this main card pay-per-view. Cody Nolove flyweight Cody Nolove, Cody Garbrandt versus Kai Kara France. Again, flyweight scrap. What do you expect to see out of this one, man? So, th- yeah, this is going to be interesting because. You know, Cody was supposed to fight Divas and Figueredo for the <coughs> for the um, the flyweight championship, but he wound up getting hurt or sick or something, and then that led way to Alex Marino or uh, Brandon Marino rather um, fighting Figueredo, and then they fought to that draw. So Garbrandt got boxed out, and then Marino wound up winning the title. So. Garbrandt's now in a position where he's still switching to flyweight, but now he actually has to win a fight to get a title shot. Um, Kai Kara France is a, is a tough fight. Uh, he's a really, really good kickboxer and he fights with, uh, I think he's out of New Zealand with, yeah, with, uh, with Adesanya and, and those dudes, uh, Eugene Behrman, like that whole camp. So like, and Volkanovsky's there too. I mean, they got a hell of a camp over there. Um, so yeah, he's a dangerous fighter, man. Uh, it, it's a tough one because Garbrandt is a super hit or miss, like literally. Like if he, I mean, he's lost four of his last five fights, but like the one win he has there is at a Sunsound knockout that was like devastating. Um, and then the one before that, when he lost to Pedro Munoz, they both just bit down on their mouthpieces and didn't actually have an MMA fight of any kind. Like they just swung rock'em sock'em robots until somebody fell down. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Garbrandt's coming off the loss to Rob Font, but like Rob Font's a really damn good fighter. But what's, what's that say about Aldo again? Once again, like Garbrandt couldn't get it done, but Aldo could. Um, This is tough, man. Because I want to say no love on this one uh, because he's still got that knockout power. And I think this is going to stay standing. Like, I don't think Carl France is going to go for any takedowns. In fact, I think if there's any takedowns initiated, I think it'll be Garbrandt initiating the takedown. So 
man. Like, Carl France does have losses to Brandon Royval and Brandon Marino lately, but Royval's really solid, and Marino's the current champion. It's a tough one. My my mind is saying Carl France, but my heart's saying Garbrandt. Um, my official prediction, I will take Garbrandt. I'm going to say it stays standing, and Garbrandt catches him with just, like, a, a nice right hook to the dome, and... And puts him out. And, and I think it'll be a really fun fight for as long as it lasts. A lot of good action on the feet. And Garbrandt might even take him down and try to ground and pound him. I'm not sure. But, like, I'm going to go Cody Garbrandt. But I, I am not confident in that pick at all. Uh, what about you? No, that's – I strangely find myself in the same way. I want to kind of talk myself out of picking Cody No Love in this position in a weird way. But I I think I'm I think I'm going to go Cody. I I think he's going to get a knockout. Uh, nothing against uh, Kai Care France, man. Like you said, very tough matchup. Very interesting fight. But there's just something telling me to go uh, to go with Garbrandt. I, I really uh, may, maybe just that gut call. I don't know what it is, but I keep like you're saying. I keep going back to Cody. Well, and he has a ton of motivation here too, because like he knows if he wins this fight, he gets a flyweight title shot. And like true, you know, he's in a position where he's never getting a bantamweight title shot again. Um, so like, this is really his last chance probably in his career. And he's still a young guy and doesn't have that many fights, but he's already in a position where like, he's a former Bantamweight champion. He's lost to a lot of the top guys that I just don't see him beating at Bantamweight now. And if he wants to be a champion in the UFC, he's going to have to do it at flyweight. And, you know, there's like, there's some killers there too. Like, even if he gets past Cara France, I'm like, I'd take Brandon Marino over Garbrandt. Like if I had to, you know choose a winner like right now for that so like but this the, the, that's the thing though if he loses the like, Kai France he's not getting another title shot in any division so like he he knows he's his back is against the wall and I think he's gonna have to perform and uh you know we've seen Cody Garbrandt it's, it's wild because like this is the same dude who went out there and just took you know Dominic Cruz to school you know what I mean so it's like he's capable of doing insanely impressive things um but uh, but yeah, Carl Fran, it's gonna be an interesting matchup. But yeah, I I I gotta stick with No Love is my prediction. I'm with you. I again, I I don't know why. I just I keep going back to it. I'm gonna go with Cody. Um, the the final fight on our on the main card, and then Stephen's gonna gonna hit some of the big fights to circle on the prelim card because again, uh, there's so many uh, names even on the early prelims on the ESPN Plus, and then of course prelim card ESPN Plus. Steven's going to let you know what to circle there. But the the opener uh, on the main card, Sugar Sean O'Malley, he'll tell you he's undefeated. I don't think he is. In there, in action now with, uh, is this Rahulian Paiva? I, I think it's Ru- Rulon Paiva. Rulon, okay, Rulon Paiva, uh, who's coming on, what, he's three fights, uh, three wins, I should say, in a row, even though, um, you know, one of those was a knockout. We've had a unanimous and a majority decision. His last two, uh, his last fight, of course, was a fight of the night back in July against Kyler Phillips. So uh, a lot of steam for him. And then uh, again, Sugar Sean, we talk about him a lot on here. He, he's done a good job of keeping his name uh, hot even after the loss to, to Marlon Vera back in August of last year. Uh, where are you at with, uh, with Sugar Sean on this one, bro? I mean, I got to pick Sean O'Malley. I, I, the, the only, and I like Sean O'Malley, by the way. I know I know that, like, in past episodes, like, I make fun of him sometimes because he's, 
because of the crowd that he's trying to mm-hmm. like his whole fan base. I shouldn't say his whole fan base, but most of his fan base is hype beast. And I'm not saying that in like a derogatory way or whatever. It's just, it is what it is. Like he's trying to appeal to kids who watch Fortnite. He's trying to appeal to people who line up outside of Supreme stores for the new hoodie drops and stuff. Like, I mean, that's what his, that's what his fan base, a lot of it is. And that's been smart. That's why he's become so popular so fast because all these kids on Twitch and TikTok and whatever the, the kids and teenagers are into now, you know, he's a part of that culture. And I think it's very, very smart. Um, like we said before, too, though, that's a fickle fan base. And when he eventually he's going to get his ass kicked, probably by somebody way better than him. And we'll see how much he drops off after that. But but maybe he'll keep winning because here's the thing. He's a fucking fun fighter to watch, no matter what anyone says about him with his 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 hair and the face tats and he basically looks like a soundcloud rapper who fights in the ufc and he <laughs> and he just he's fun as hell to watch like his striking is really really fucking innovative like it really is i have to give him a lot of credit for it um yeah he got his ass kicked by marlon barra but if you asked him that fight never happened you know what i mean like he just he just has his <laughs> mindset of just like he's unbeatable he's never been beat blah blah, blah. he has this real belief in himself and it translates in the way that he fights. He fights with this level of confidence. Like, I i don't want to compare him to Conor McGregor, but it's similar. Where, like, I, he goes into these fights and the, his body movement and the way he taunts people and gets people to to, to bite into, into, you know, his bait and everything. Like, getting people to, to move certain ways so that he can do, like, a dance move and then punch him in the face. Like, so the crowd will go crazy. I mean, like, it's it's very entertaining. He's a he's a sports entertainer who fights for real, basically. And, um, you know, his opponent, I it's like the guy's lost to Kai Kara France, who we just talked about. It was a close fight, right. though. Right. Um, he's lost a, a Rodrigo Bontarin, who's a solid fighter, but like not, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where like at a certain point and I feel like we're getting to that point now. We may have already kind of been at that point, but I feel like now it's becoming really, really evident. If they're going to push O'Malley like he's this massive superstar, because he gets he gets big crowd response. Um, he gets a lot of social media engagement. A, a lot of his videos on YouTube and stuff do better than everyone else on the card, even when he's sharing the card with bigger names, more accomplished people in the sport. Like there is a buzz about him and he is a fucking good fighter like he really is from what we've seen. But at a certain point, you got to raise a level of competition for the guy if you want people to take him like seriously to that next level. And this just isn't that. But it's not meant to be. You know, it, it's, they're just they're in this really strange spot with him where like it's like they're afraid to put him in there against the next level of fighters because he might lose. But at the same time, like if he beat those guys. Like now you have a real case of getting him in the title mix, which is going to be way more valuable and way more marketable and make everybody more money if he's actually at that level. We d- we just don't know if he is. Like the closest thing we've seen is Marlon Vera, who's a fucking good fighter, and he took him to school. Like Marlon Vera fucked him up. But like just because Marlon Vera did, like if I look at the rankings right now at Bantamweight, we've got Marlon Vera ranked at number 11, but it's like, some of the guys around him, like, do I, I think, I think at this stage of his career, I think Sean O'Malley might fuck up Frankie Edgar. You know what I mean? Like he might fuck up Rafael Asuncao. 
he might fuck up Dominic Cruz for all we know. You know what I mean? But it's like until he fights some of these guys, we we don't know that. And I think the UFC is kind of doesn't want to jump into that situation yet. But it's also getting to the point where it's like all of your all these fights. And once again, they generate a lot of buzz. But it's like Andre Sukumtoth, who under honestly, if Andre Sukumtoth was was smart and he would have made O'Malley stand up during their fight, Sukumtoth would have won because the referee would have stopped that because O'Malley couldn't stand. Um, he beat Quinones, who like nobody really knows. Eddie Wineland, who's way past his prime. Uh, Thomas Almeida, who when's the last time he won a fight? Let me pull his record up. Uh, Thomas Almeida's lost his last four fights in a row. He's lost the last four out of five fights that he's had. Um, Chris Moutinho or whatever, that dude I think was like a late replacement or something. And he and that was a fucking fun fight. But and O'Malley kicked his ass, but it took him three rounds. And a lot of people were like, you should have finished this guy like way earlier. Like, why did it take so long? So my point is, it's like he's incredibly impressive against a bunch of people that people don't really care about. But, you know, if you wanted to be on this next level, I mean, here's the thing. And this is this is the real tricky, slippery slope, double edged sword of this whole scenario. Let's say Pavia knocks him out. Then then what? Because then it's like, oh, shit. Well, now we got to keep Sean O'Malley at like this level of like lower card fighters. But he's out here talking about being a big deal and wanting more money from the company and wanting to be highlighted and his fan base and the hype beast and all this stuff. So it's like if he's going to lose, you might as well have it beat like a Dominic Cruz or a Frankie Edgar. Like put him in there against somebody that's legit, that has a real name, that's a former champion that can that can increase your value and put you up the card. (laughs) If you lose to one of those guys. You know, people are going to understand it. They're going to be like, well, shit, it was Dominic Cruz. I mean, like, that isn't really, they're going to really take anything away from, from O'Malley for losing to someone like Dominic Cruz. <clears throat> but he's going to get shit on if he loses to this Pavia dude. So, like, you know what I mean? It's just a really, it's a really it, strange situation. But I'm definitely taking O'Malley for the win for my prediction. I was going to say, it feels like <laughs> such a, a calculated move for the brand for him that. It, it almost is like uh, there, you know, there's someone that's had the same thought that you like, what if yes. he loses to this guy? But it's such an overwhelming confidence of what he's shown that it, it, it is like uh, we were kind of joking about the dominance of Nunez and what that, you know, the Vegas line for that'll be. I can't wait to see what Vegas the line on this fight, bro, because it just feels again like another we're kind of uh, we're booked, you know, we're uh, we've got our football season coming up and we want to play a Juco over a Bama. Yeah. Well, and when speaking of that, like and this is not financial advice or betting advice, nobody, nobody decide to put your money out there based on what I'm saying right now. Like, I, I don't want that burden of, you know, I'm this is just my own personal opinion. <clears throat> and this is something I might wind up doing. But if the odds are enough to where like. I haven't looked at them. Actually, let me pull them up right now. Um, yeah, I'm looking at as we speak. Uh, it's got to be huge. Yeah, let's see here. The betting odds. So they're actually a lot closer than than what I was expecting, based on just the first thing I'm the first oh. thing I'm seeing here is showing Sugar Sean at minus three ten and Pavea at plus two forty. <clears throat> That's not enough of a. Oh. Yeah, it's not enough of a plus on Pavia that I would uh, I would take that. But if he was in like the four or five hundreds, I might consider it. Um, but it's but it's one of those things where it's like the the biggest miss on this whole show. And I've been saying it since the since I real I, I've talked about it on a few different shows. And I just 
I get that Cody Garbrandt is moving to flyweight and he's trying to get a title shot, but it's a travesty that O'Malley and Garbrandt are on the same card and not fighting each other. Like that should have yeah. been the fight at Bantamweight. Yep. Like, cause that's, that, that, that proves all the things that we're talking about. Like if, you know, and that's the fight I know O'Malley wanted too. like, and that's part of it too, where I don't blame O'Malley for the matchups because I think he is legitimately going to the UFC and going out on social media and stuff and saying, I want Cody Garbrandt. I want Dominic Cruz. I want these guys to get a title shot, like to, like to be able to get a title shot. But the UFC is the one with cold feet going, well, we need to keep building you, keep, keep getting you wins. Like, and then a part of it too, I think, honestly, is just the way that they market their shows. And they're in, I, I think it's, it's a smart move to have Sean O'Malley open the show by just like beating up some jobber. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Cause it gets the crowd going. So like, I, I, I get it. I get all sides of it, but it's just one of those things where like Cody Garbrandt's on the same card. Once again, I get he's fighting at flyweight, but that could have, that could have waited too. like have, have O'Malley fight Garbrandt at Bantamweight. If O'Malley starches or if O'Malley beats Garbrandt, then it's like, okay, cool. Like this guy is legitimate and he can fight top level guys, former champions and beat them. If Garbrandt wins, it's like, I'd th- I'll leave it this way. If Garbrandt beats Sean O'Malley at Bantamweight, I would still give him a flyweight title shot coming off of that. If you wanted to change weight classes. So like, you know what I mean? I think it would have been mutually beneficial for both. Like Garbrandt, Garbrandt wins, he can still drop down to flyweight and get an immediate title shot. If O'Malley wins, we finally know how good he is. But instead, we have O'Malley fighting some dude that, like, once again, <laughs> once again, this dude comes out and beats O'Malley. That's just a terrible look for everybody. Like, the fans are going to think O'Malley's a joke if he loses to this guy. Um, oh, but he's absolutely. expected to starch him. So it just it is, is what it is. As as this is a... As Mass Holloway would say, it just is what it is. So it is what it is. Expect a Sugar Sean win and him to say he's undefeated. And that loud groan you will hear will be me going, uh, <laughs> uh, that's the main card for UFC 269. Uh, let the people know, man. I, I keep saying it because it's so true. A lot of fights to, uh, to keep an eye on. What are some ones you're really circling and really, uh, really going to be fired up for on these, uh, this early prelims and prelims? So the obvious one, of course, is the prelim main event, which honestly, like this could have been the main event of any fight night. This should have been in the pay-per-view. Like it's a better yes. fight, I think, than the O'Malley fight and the Garbrandt fight and the Ponzinibbio fight, to be honest. Um, And the Nunez fight. I know, but the Nunez fight is for the title. But I think the people's main event of this whole show, outside of, of course, the actual main event, because Poirier Oliveira is the best matchup. But outside of that, I think the best fight of this whole show is Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige. Like, this is going to be awesome. And you know how much I love the featherweight division. It's my favorite division, yes. my favorite top yep. 15. And, and Emmett hasn't fought since June of 2020 because he got injured in that Shane Burgos fight. He, like, let me see if I can find the injury. It was his, it was his knee, but it was a really bad one. Um, he got, it, it just says on Wikipedia, a litany of injuries to his left leg sustained in the uh. fight, including an ACL tear. But Emmett, like, tore his ACL in, like, the first round and still won a decision over Shane Burgos. Like, this dude is so, so tough. Like, his only losses in his career are a split decision loss to Desmond Green in 2017 and a knockout loss to Jeremy Stevens in 2018. Outside of that, he's 16-2 and two total in his entire MMA career. I don't know where he fights out of currently, 
but I remember he was he used to and he still might be with those guys, but I know he was with um Uriah Faber and those dudes in uh why is the name of the team escaping me? Um why uh, Faber's team that Garbrandt used to be at and Dillashaw used to be at uh, um, uh Alpha Male? Team Alpha Male, duh, yes. I, I don't know why I was couldn't think of the name. But I know that Emmett used to at least used to be with Team Alpha Male. He still might be. But uh he he's one of the most underrated fighters, I think, in the featherweight division. He's won his last three fights. The Burgos fight, like I mentioned, where he, had, he was injured early and still won. Where Saad Bektik, who's a really solid fighter, and Michael Johnson, who just, like, finds a way to stay in the game, uh, you know, for this long. I mean, Michael Johnson's a really good fighter, um, and he's fought, like, everybody, and he's dangerous. Um, I, I just, and uh, Emmett's also beat Ricardo Lamas. I mean, just... I, I I love I love Josh Emmett. I think he's an awesome fighter. And and then you have Danny Ike, who is one of the most exciting fighters in the whole division in the whole UFC. Like his fights against Korean Zombie and Calvin Cater are two of the most exciting fights that I saw in 2020, 2021. Um he has wins over guys like Edson Barbosa, Mursag Bactic. Um <clears throat> I mean, just super, super impressive guy, tough as hell, always brings it. So I think this this is I think this will be the best fight of the whole night. Um, as for a winner, it's tough because like Emmett's been out for you know with this injury, and I don't, you know, I don't I don't have any reason to think he'll look any any different. But like you never really know. And Ige is just a fucking animal. So like, animal. oh man, I'm gonna take Josh Emmett though. I'm going to take Josh out. I, I think Josh Abbott's more well-rounded. He can take the fight to the ground if he needs to, but his striking is also really, really damn good. EJ is is more known for, like, being able to, like, take people out on the feet. Um, but, yeah, I, I am super hyped for that one. So I'm taking Josh Emmett there. Um, let me find the uh, – though, yeah, Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munoz. That's a great fight as well. Um, and a really important fight because both guys – we got Munoz ranked at 8, Cruz ranked at 9 in the division right now. And, I mean, both guys trying to get into the title mix. Of course, Dominic Cruz trying to win another belt, you know, before he inevitably retires. But he might be in the same boat as Jose Aldo, where, like, he's nowhere close to being done, for all we know. Um, Pedro Munoz, just a solid damn fighter. I mean, it's it's a really, really good matchup. Uh, But I'm going to take Dominic Cruz to win that one. Augusta Sakai and Taitu Avasa, that's a fun one. There should be a finish there. I'm expecting an, an early knockout. Um, Sakai is coming off of losses to Rosenstrike and Overeem, but there's really, you know, really no shame in losing to those two guys by knockout. And then Tia Voss has got a three-fight win streak going over knockout and TKOs over Stefan Struve, Harry Hussinker, and Greg Hardy. Uh, and then, of course, everyone wants to see Tuvasa win because he'll he'll always drink a shoey right there right. In, the, in the crowd. Um, Tuvasa is like one of he's one of my brother's favorite fighters um, <laughs> because like he he didn't see the shoey coming last time. He didn't know about it until the Greg Hardy fight, and I was like talking about it. He didn't know what I was talking about, and he was like, "Oh, this guy's the best! Like this this guy rules." Um, speaking of, I have a few more nicknames I need to tell you about after we go off the air. Um, that my brother has come up with for some, uh, some indie wrestlers, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to take Tai Chi Yavasa in that one. Sakai is a dangerous, super dangerous fighter, but I think Chi Yavasa gets the win there. And then also shout out. I mean, we got Ryan Hall on the prelims. He's coming off a loss, trying to get back in the win column. 
Randy Costa, Dangerous Fighter, Jillian Robertson, and Priscilla Cochuera. That that could be a good flyweight title, or sorry, a flyweight fight um, for both women. Um, the, a loss could potentially be the end for one of their UFC careers too, because pull up Robertson's Robertson's record, but I feel like she's been losing. Yeah, she lost her last two. Um, but uh, but yeah, top to bottom, it's a it's a stacked card. I'm gonna be watching from the first prelim all the way through. And once again, you can watch the co-main event, the Nunez Pena, and the main event Olivera and Poirier fight along with us over at Fightful. That'll be YouTube.com/slash Fightful for Fightful Fight Night for UFC. 269 yeah definitely check that out saturday night always a good time with that crew uh again this saturday december 11th uh happy to be back my man i know we're aiming to be back next week and uh and discuss this review this card see what uh what shook down um and then of course i believe the same night as the 18th there's a little you know there's a fight night um you know Derek lewis is on that cup swanson's on that so we may talk about those a little bit but really gonna really gonna there's gonna be just so much to talk about at this pay-per-view definitely check it out ufc 269 this saturday december 11th and and just really quick just because i missed it i I mean to cut you off but i didn't want to forget this with uh with uh the prelims i missed andre muniz and eric anders that's gonna be a really good fight too that's not early yeah 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 there you go uh (laughs) yeah for those of you don't know a former collegiate football player uh on eric anders um, but his opponent Muniz has looked really good. Uh, his last win was that armbar win over Jacare Souza, and he's won his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights. So this is a tough one for Eric Anders. But Eric Anders is coming off of that uh, win over Darren Stewart and uh, got some good quality wins recently too. So like, I love that matchup. I, I will probably take Muniz, even though I am biased towards Anders. I've told the story before, but I've seen how he interacts with fans, and I really like Anders as a person. I think he's a really, really cool guy. Yeah. Um, but Muniz is just looking really, really good uh, in the octagon. But I didn't want to forget to shout that one out also. But I'll take I'll take Muniz as a prediction there. No, that's again, you want to be in front of whatever screen you watch this on uh, from the early prelims all the way through the main card. That's this Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back. We'll be back next week. I know uh, talking about this and a little bit of that. The December 18th sold out the KOBK crew uh, at Mo's KOBK if you're looking for tickets or just. Uh, some Twitter, I don't know what you would some some bad tweets out of me if I'm being honest. <laughs> but yeah, man, thanks thanks for having me back in, bro. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming back on. Make sure to follow Moe's, Moe's KOBK on Twitter. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at fighttalk underscore F-I-G-H-T T-A-L-K underscore. Make sure to use code fighttalk, all as one word, no spaces on independentwrestling.tv and uh, everything else I got going on, I'll keep updated on my Twitter. Make sure to look at uh, the All Things MMA YouTube channel as well. I've written like 10 or so videos or scripts for for that channel that i'm just kind of waiting to see when they upload but uh you know keep an eye out for that stuff and the other stuff that i do with fightful fightful select weekend or podcast every sunday talking independent wrestling and uh a whole bunch of stuff so check all that out uh anything left from you Mo's, before we get out of here no man uh again happy to be back can't wait to see these fights hell yeah got some good stuff coming up and uh, yeah, until next weekend, enjoy some. Uh, or uh, that's my sign off for uh, for the weekender. I say until next weekend, enjoy some professional wrestling. <laughs> um, uh, until next week, you know, me and Mose will be back talking some more mixed martial arts. There you go. Have a good one, y'all. <laughs>